Hi there, I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spa Doctor Podcast. Today we're talking about eating an alkaline diet and its impact on your skin. My guest is Dr. Russell Jaffe, who has more than 40 years of experience contributing to molecular biology and clinical diagnostics. His focus is on functional predictive tests and procedures designed to improve the precision of both diagnosis and treatment outcomes. And he's authored nearly 100 articles on the subject. He received his BS, MD, and PhD from the Boston University School of Medicine, completed residency training in clinical chemistry at the National Institutes of Health, and remained on the permanent senior staff before pursuing other interests. Dr. Jaffe is board certified in clinical pathology and chemical pathology. He has been honored many awards, including as an international scientist of 2003 by the IBC Oxford England, UK, for his lifetime contributions to clinical medicine, biochemistry, immunology, methodology, and integrative health policy. Dr. Jaffe is also founder and chairman of Eliza Act Biotechnologies and is founder and chairman of, of Perk Integrative Health. In this interview, we discuss the pH of various foods and how alkaline diets actually work and their impact on our skin and overall health. So please enjoy this interview. Dr. Jaffe, it's great to have you on the Spot Doctor podcast. Welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so we're talking about having an alkaline diet and the benefits of that for the skin. So what let's start with your background and what led you to be so interested in this well good uh thanks for asking i did academic internal medicine and biochemistry a double degree at boston university and then i was fortunate enough after that to be uh, recruited to the united states public health service at something called the national institutes of health in bethesda maryland where every year that I was there, we introduced a new method that improved precision, accuracy, reproducibility, etc. Little things like occult blood testing for colon cancer screening, other little things like how do you accurately detect parasites, other little things like what's the relationship between activation of blood clotting and catastrophes like strokes and heart attacks, other little things like um, how do you detect tiny amounts of substances accurately and reproducibly, reproducibly and without confusion in urine or plasma or other fluids? So I'm a cross, cross, cross trained. And the last cross is that I went to debunk acupuncture and did a seven-year apprenticeship under Queen Wu in Washington, D.C. I went to debunk Ayurveda and did five years under Ramamurti Mishra. I went to debunk mindfulness, and I did 30 years under a Cambodian named Bhante Damawara. So I'm not as young as I seem, but I come in peace. And I really want you to know that the skin is very important because it's talking to us. It's not just a wrapper. It's not just an interface. It's not just something that's exfoliating, because I do want you to hydrate and foliate, but I want you to have a radiant skin because that is a window on your body. 
If your skin is radiant, chances are on the inside things are pretty good. If your skin is not radiant, chances are on the inside things are not so good. Right, absolutely. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion about, I think we probably should start with the basics on the pH of food, the pH of the body, sure. and the different, sure. because there's so many different areas of the body where the pH is different and acidic right. versus alkaline. No, exactly right. And people often say to me, well, what is the pH? What is the acid alkaline optimum? And then they stop. And then I have to say to them, well, where are we, dear? Are we in the ear or the nose or the throat? Are we in the stomach or the small or large intestine? Are we in a tissue? Are we inside a cell? Are we inside a lysosome? It's a, it gets technical. It really does get a little bit complicated. Well, that's why we have people called scientists who are supposed to understand the technical, um, not just the, the nomenclature, not just the words, but what does it mean? And what it means is you want to be acid in your stomach and you want to be alkaline in your colon. You want to have a short transit, but not too short, of 12 to 18 hours, which means what you eat at night, you should be eliminating the next day. It shouldn't be staying inside you to create all sorts of havoc and toxic uh, reabsorption of chemicals and, 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 and compounds and metabolites that occurs when you don't have enough fiber. Well, why don't you have enough fiber? Because you're not chewing your food, dear. So lentils. You can't just throw lentils in your mouth and swallow them. You actually have to have you actually have to chew them, however much you cook them, and you should cook them with herbs and spices and things that make them yummy. How about curry? Same thing. How about chili? Same thing. How about the things that will prevent the catastrophes of cardiovascular disease, cancer, and autoimmunity by the choices of what we eat and drink, think and do? Could it be that simple after 12,000 hours of training and I knew nothing about what I'm talking to you about because I went to debunk it and I found a way of saving my life, my parents' life, and my children's life. So it wasn't just, oh, I have an epiphany. I had challenges because I had a mother and a father. And I had other challenges called a son and a daughter and call them up. They will tell you that they were raised on nature, nurture, and wholeness. And it wasn't an, uh, what a uh, unfettered bed of ease, shall I say. <clears throat> we had challenges. And when we did, we called our friends. And our friends came to our aid. And they said, let nature, nurture, and wholeness, physiology before pharmacology, primary proactive predictive personalized prevention practice protocols and by the way that's a lot of p's all in one sentence <laughs> it is it took me a lot of years to get to seven p's <laughs> in a row no. no i'm glad you're chuckling i want to leave you laughing and wanting more i want people to understand that they have options i want people to understand that when your skin erupts or when your skin isn't perfect, it's trying to talk to you. In fact, it is talking to you. Are we listening? That's a different question. 
Yeah. And I feel like the typical approach in most of conventional dermatology is what can we do just to suppress that eruption? What are, you know, a lot of times I was like, what can we do with makeup to cover it up? Right. And I, and I, I can understand all of that. My mom was a jazz musician. I understand all of that, but Alan Datmer, a friend from the NIH days who has a wonderful book on natural skin care and is a dermatologist, but he's a really immunodermatologist. What he says, is if you suppress it, it's going to come out worse in another place. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's check. If you suppress anger, is it ever going to end well? I don't think so. You, you can hopefully forgive. You can hopefully get over anger or equivalent. But I promise you, if, if I see you as stressed or angry or tired or grumpy, and I say, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. I think you're lying. I think you're being polite because I don't think you believe that I would care either way. But honestly, if I say, how are you? I want you to tell me how you are. As candidly as possible, including, oh, I'm having a terrible day. And then you and Mr. Rogers and I are going to go to his neighborhood and have a better day. <laughs> he was a friend. Well, and it's, and it's true. It's, you know, just like the skin um, is giving us that information. And so we pay attention rather than just cover it up. And, right. and diet well, is such a key part of that, what we eat, right? Yes. And a lot of the things that we consume look like food, but they're not. Mm -hmm. They've been highly processed. They've been highly manipulated. They've been made into things that look like food, but I promise you they're not. Trust me, I have met with the CEOs and I have met with the engineers of packaged goods companies. And the thing, the companies that we think of as food companies, I mean, like Kellogg and Quakers and um, et cetera, Frito-Lay and Pepsi and Coke, we, they think of themselves as packaged goods companies. They package goods. Are they nutritional companies? Oh, don't ask. They're not. And they don't even call themselves nutritional companies because they have beaten the nutrition out of whatever it is they started with. And now they're going to give you something that will addict your tongue. It's called the crave factor. Crave as in my tongue and my brain is going to crave whatever you give me now. And what you give me now is called salt, fat, and sugar but without wholeness. So nature allows sugar to come in slowly and doesn't harm you. The crave factor wants your brain to go after more glucose, more sugar, more fructose, more this, more refined that. I mean, crave. It's called the crave factor because it's like addictive. And I, I hope this isn't a shock to you or to your audience, but honestly, it may look like food, but it might be addictive. And I don't mean cocaine, although it's not far because cocaine is addictive for some people, not for everyone and not for me for sure, but you know, we're not going there. <clears throat> the question is, can you find whole foods so that your body can say, ah, thank you so much for giving me the fiber. Thank you so much for giving me the, the 
healthy microbiome. Thank you so much for giving me a healthy metabolome so that I can be radiant. Because we want our skin to be radiant, like yours. Um, yeah, so I, I love what you're saying here. And it's always bothered me, things like Twinkies or Pop-Tarts. and uh, you know, the I'm from the Twinkies generation and Wonder Bread. And we did survive, but I'm not sure how. I remember Wonder Bread, and it was like Play-Doh. And I remember Twinkies, and they had a seven-year shelf life. You can put a Twinkie on a shelf, and seven years later, it will not be any different than it was when you put it on. My dear friend Beatrice Trumhunter said, and famously said, you want to eat foods that spoil, but before they do. <laughs> yeah. You want yeah. to eat whole foods, things that are nutritious and delicious, but you know you don't want them when they're fermented necessarily. I mean, you don't want them when they're spoiled. There are good fermented foods. Forgive me for using the word fermented in that sentence, because kimchi is fermented. That's a good thing. There's a lot of fermented foods that are really healthy because they're pre-digested because of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so you mentioned microbiome and... Mm -hmm. What have you found to be, what are some of the key things when it comes to what, you know, why alkaline, eating alkaline foods, why is that helpful for the microbiome? Well, it's kind of simple. Do you want to survive or not? No, my colleague, Sherry Rogers, wrote a book called Alkalinize or Die. And I thought, oh, that's a compelling title. It's also true. So if you want to eat the foods that you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden, you have to do some self-testing. What is your digestive transit time, my dear? For, forgive me, these... <laughs> I'm not totally Wi-Fi yet. Anyway, forgive me, but I need to understand certain basics. Because you might think you're eating food, but I might think you're eating highly processed things that come out of packages. When we go shopping, and we do, we have a community-supported agriculture, a CSA, and once a, once a week we get some food from them. And then once a week we go to a market, called the whole food market. And what do we get? Whatever is organic or biodynamic. Which means we shop around the edge of the market and we don't go down the aisles. Because Beatrice Trum Hunter and other friends convinced me, once you go down the aisle, you're going down the slippery slope towards disease. Now, does that mean I have absolutely no package? I mean, 0, 0.0? No, please. I have brick packs of soup. Why? I could make the soup, you know, the squash or the soup soup. I could make it from scratch, and I sometimes do when I have a little extra time. But forgive me, I have brick pack beans and brick pack soups that have a long shelf life, but they're really healthy because there's nothing in there that I don't understand. Look at the label. If the label has chemicals or, uh, or ingredients or, or, or anything, when it says food, you know, like rutabaga, 
you can say, oh, I understand that. Brussels sprouts. Oh, I can understand. When it says polymorphophilic, blah, 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 no, that's not food. And there's too much of that processing chemical. I got a message today from a dear colleague who is a very knowledgeable physician, a very caring and competent person. And he said, what about this preservative that is permitted in the European Union? Now, generally, Europe is a bet a bit healthier, they're a bit more conservative than we are. If you look at the labels of European products, they are healthier than American products. That's another discussion for another time. I had no idea what he was talking about. It turns out he was talking about polymerized plastic. Do you wanna eat polyacrylamide? No. Thank you, thank you. I don't either. I, I was pretty sure that the answer was going to be, no, I don't. But you are. How are you? Well, only if you eat rice. It's called microplastic. It adds to the bulk and the profit of the companies that sell these items. It looks like food, but it's not. And I promise you that rice is a food unless you grow it in arsenic-containing water, which is another issue for another time. But, you know, wild rice? How about barley? How about millet? How about quinoa? How about something that might actually be nutritious and delicious? Okay. When I realized that the European Union had approved polymerized plastic, this is like grinding up your uh, contact lenses and putting that into your food. I'm pretty sure that most commonsensical people would say, don't do that. That's what's happening. And it was hard to find. It was hard to get behind the it's okay, you know, with some uh, approval document or some, you know, imprimatur that says, well, some expert in the department of being an expert said this was okay. And that's quite okay for most situations, but not for me. And then I found out what it was and I sent it to my colleague and he said, holy petunias, you know, he didn't say holy petunias, but that's, that's the politically acceptable version of what he said. Okay. <clears throat> when a person like me doesn't know that a generally approved additive to food in the European Union is actually a, a polymerized plastic with, shall I say, monomers that are hormone disruptors. So in case people don't understand this message, these plastic molecules turn out to be hormone disruptors and your hormones are your communication molecules. And messing with them is, let me check, a very, very, very bad idea. Don't do that. This is like Mel Brooks, a 2000 year old man. He said, don't do stupid things. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing what is put into food to um, and that people don't know about. And it's you know to help uh, help the shelf life. It's to help no, no. I can understand the rationalization. Mm -hmm. We need to have foods that stay on the shelf long enough that people can buy them. We need to have tomatoes that we can move two thousand miles before we consume them. 
I must tell you that the longest tomato that I have eaten in the last year is about 20 feet away because we grow them in our biodynamic food forest, permaculture, front yard. And by the way, tomatoes are easy. <laughs> if you want to grow asparagus or morel mushrooms, that's a little complicated. But pickles, uh, tomatoes, uh, easy. So why don't we do that? Well, um, because we have the convenience of going to the market and buying them in brick packs or in freeze packs or in I don't know packs, and then they come from I don't know where. And I promise you there are certain exceptions. For example, do you know that organic grapes from South America can be sprayed with toxic chemicals? Mm. I didn't say that was logical. I didn't say that was coherent. I'm telling you that's the process, that's the procedure, uh, that organic, uh, you can import an organic, you can import an organic grape from Chile or Peru that was totally toxically chemically prepared but because of this because of that because of the other uh they're now someone said a bracha someone said a blessing someone said a holy communion thing and now all of a sudden they're absolved of all the chemicals hmm. yeah. when i heard that i must tell you doctor when i heard that i thought no there's no way that that's true it is true i kid you not I come in peace. I want you to know that you can get food, you can survive, but you cannot depend upon the general, what, the general consensus, the general uh, public health consensus to provide you a safety net. Hmm. Do I want to make you sick? No. Do you want to make anyone sick? No. Okay, so we're beyond that. The question is, how do we make them well? How do we restore people to radiant health as re reflected in radiant skin? Wow, and, and that's certainly um, the big question. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know we've talked a lot about foods that, you know, not there aren't really foods, and um, but and then getting back to produce and whole foods, real foods, foods that you can even grow in your backyard if you know that's possible. Or even if you're in an apartment, and this is something my son Sky taught me, even if you have only a few square feet, you can grow food up, mm -hmm. okay? You can grow basil, you can grow rosemary, you can grow tomatoes, you can grow pickles, you can grow things. Now, if you wanna grow morel mushrooms, become an expert. They're very finicky. There's another story, another time. Right. But if you want to grow food, you know, like things you can eat that are nutritious and delicious when they're ripe, that reduce your cost, that's not a bad thing. Improve your health, that's a good thing. And so why don't we do that? Well, because we tell people, you only have three square feet, so you can't do anything. That's not true. Now, I have a home, I have a couple of acres, but the front yard is what it is, and the backyard is a mushroom guild, and then we have berry guilds, and my job is to go out and eat <laughs> forage, you know, like a deer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kid you not. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I grew up on a farm and I remember how much I enjoyed as a kid going out and just picking spinach or picking things. And- yes. Yes. Yeah. First of all, going outside. Second of all, being a child. And third of all, eating something that wasn't going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I probably ate some things I wasn't supposed to eat too, but. <laughs> no, I didn't say you were perfect. I wasn't either. I ate the things that I ate. I did the things that I did, but it didn't kill me. <laughs> so when we talk about produce, we talk about fruits and vegetables. There are still, and you know, you were talking about alkalizing foods. Sure. There are things that, that like lemons that we think of as acidic, but what, how does that, how does it go from being? You no, know, this is very, this is a very simple, but a very important point. Yeah. All citrus fruits, lemons, limes, grapefruits, oranges, they are acidic in the laboratory. They're acidic in the glass, but in the body, they generate bicarbonate and bicarbonate is alkaline. Most people know that bicarbonate, the thing you throw in your swimming pool or your cat litter, it's, it's alkaline. It's not acid. Mm-hmm. It's anti-acid. Yeah. Ah. So in the body, these very acidic things in the test tube turn out to be alkaline forming in the body. And we know the difference because we have the food effects on body chemistry chart, which we've made available for the last 40 years. It's now in the Natick Nutrition Guide, which is the Department of Defense Nutrition Guide. It's now in the WHO Guide. It's now in a variety of things called the places where people go to find information. Why? Because it's true. So food effects on body chemistry are different than the effects of foods in the laboratory. So if I squeeze a lemon into a glass, it's acidic, but if I drink the lemon juice, it's alkalinizing. Yes, yeah. Right. And, and but how is that different from something like meat or cheese or milk or well wait 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 wait. we just crossed the number of interesting boundaries Mm -hmm. cheese coming from cows cows deliver milk they deliver milk for calves calves gain 50 pounds a day if your baby gained 50 pounds in a day there would be a huge problem right okay so When you cross species, when you take the weaning food from a species where the calf or the product or the child or the little thing is supposed to gain 50 pounds a day and you feed that to humans, I'm telling you, don't do that. You're gonna end up with fat, sedentary, unhappy, suicidal people, which is by the way, what we have ended up with. What a shock. Now, human breast milk, it's an amazing thing. When a baby's saliva touches a mother's breast, it tells the mother's breast what the baby needs, and that modifies the breast milk. And as a scientist who has two children, I can confirm that that is absolutely true. The breast milk dramatically changes in look and feel and smell. And this, don't ask me how I know the smell, but in look and and feel and smell, based on what the child needs, not what the mom and dad needs, because mom and dad are second. Baby gets first. And therefore, after a baby or two, many women are depleted. 
And those depletions or, the, or, or those uh, correctable deficits are not corrected. And then they get bummed out and then they get depressed and then they get Sheehan syndrome and then they get this and that and the other thing. No, no, they have deficits of the things they need. And by the way, a mother gives, by definition, I only have you know, one mother to my children, Rebecca, but as, a, as an archetype, mother gives and children receive. Until they can get up and say, thanks, mom, I'm going to go on my own and I'm not going to say thank you necessarily, but I will come back eventually. We hope. <laughs> but mine are 30-somethings. They're not perfect, but they're terrific. Yeah. So that's milk. And then there's... No, no, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We started with milk and it's a category called hard to digest foods. Mm -hmm. This is milk, meat, and grains. Milk from cows, I don't mean milk from goats and sheep because most people don't have access to milk from goats and sheep because that's different. But milk from cows, meat, grains, grains like wheat, oats, etc. No. If your digestion is in recovery, if you need to improve, the efficiency of your digestion, if you have any concerns about autoimmunity, if you have any concerns about repair deficit inflammation, then you must, must, as in must, must, take in the foods that are easy to digest, assimilate, and eliminate. And that means fruits and vegetables, seeds and nuts, sprouts and sea vegetables, fermented foods, and let me check, a minimum. I didn't say none. This is not a life of deprivation. I didn't say none, but a minimum of cow dairy, a minimum of meat, and a minimum of uh, grains. Now, if you say to me, uh, I want to go out and get bone broth, I'll say, don't get bone broth. You could have vegetable broth. You could have meat broth. How do you make meat broth? You get meat and you make a broth. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I just had a friend, a dear friend, he hadn't visited in 30 years, but a friend, and he comes by and I'm making dinner for both of us. And he says, you, you make it look easy. I said, it is easy. You take whole foods, you chop them into bite-sized portions, you put them in something called warm, like a tagine or something hot, and then you add a little broth if you need it, and then you uh, cook it, and then you put it on the table, and you serve it from the same pot. You know, I do mostly, look, I'm a guy. I do mostly one pot cooking. Mm -hmm. I don't have a follow-up sous chef to clean up. So, so I want to go to bed clean, you know, me and the, and, and the kitchen. But that means that I need to make it simple. But it has to be yummy. It has to be nutritious and delicious. Otherwise, I'm not going to show up. Right. And it can be all those things. It, it, all of it. Oh, easily. Easily. It's a little bit of a makeover. It's a little bit of a, of a thought equation. But yes, it, life begets life. And let me say that decline, which is the polite way of saying death, begets death. Well, let me check. Which do I want to do? Live to 120 and have my friends dancing or be in a wheelchair and, and gasping? 
of the two, I'm pretty sure the one I want is dancing in with my friends. Yeah, absolutely. And I've said this before, but I actually have a plan, 120 years in dancing with my friends. I mean dancing. I don't mean just sitting there and watching them dance. Mm -hmm. I want to be up and dancing too. Why not? Right. And a lot of what we have been talking about, that, that nourishment on the inside, it's going to help with the microbiomes of the body, of the gut microbiome, the skin microbiome, all right. of that. And that's part of what helps us live to be over 100 and healthy. 100%. 100%. My main mentor meditation teacher at 109, 109, he had highest frequent flyer status on three different airlines. And I said, what do you think? And he said, well, at least I move around. He never claimed anything. He outranked the Dalai Lama. King Sihanouk bowed down to him. I saw him do things on Capitol Hill in the United States that were just mind boggling. But he never claimed anything. He just said, this is what I do because this is who I follow, called the Buddha. This is who I am and I follow a guy called the Buddha. And by the way, he lived 2,500 years ago, but he was a good role model. And that was a very intimate statement. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, the Dalai Lama is my daughter's godfather because of him. Amory Lovins is a godfather to my daughter because of me. You know, you do what you can to help your kids progress, and then they don't call often enough because they're your children. But that's, that's their job, is to not call enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so going back to skin, what have you found um, are the most important nutrients for supporting healthy skin? Well, I think it's partly inside out and then partly outside in. I think your question was more designed on the outside in. So let me give you an example. There is a company called Neutrogena. Neutrogena has a oil that they will sell you that will make your skin glow based on organic sesame oil. I must tell you that organic sesame oil is a lot cheaper than Neutrogena's skin oil. And I will tell you, because I know this to be 100% correct, and they will not correct me, their skin oil is 100% organic, cold-pressed sesame oil. Now, how do you get that? Well, I suggest you buy sesame seeds, the whole seed. Now, the seed has the oil in it, of course, but buy the whole seed. It's cheap. Organic sesame seeds, and then equal amounts of organic um, there's white and dark sesame, and then there are several other things like hemp seeds. There's a variety of seeds. Okay, mix a bunch of seeds together in a blender. It's a very small blender, you know, not like a smoothie blender. It's a herb seed blender. And make a nut butter out of that. And then put that on something that you like. I actually ha happen to put that on cabbage because I don't eat crackers because crackers have a grain called wheat. 
Otherwise, it wouldn't be called a cracker. Okay, so I don't I don't do hard to digest foods. Now my digestion is pretty good. It's not like I have to do this. I do this because I'm planning to be dancing at 120. <laughs> I therefore want to be proactive about the things I do to keep me well and happy. And that includes how glorious, how radiant, how luminous is your skin. Mm -hmm. I have had many friends who have had children. This is one thing that happens when you have families because sometimes children happen. And these children became teenagers, and the children had acne. And I said, increase the super B vitamins, increase the minerals, increase the essential nutrients, and the, and the acne will go away. Do you know that even teenagers will do things if they look more beautiful? <laughs> I know this is a shock, but actually, we, we have many, many cases of teenagers who said, thank you, I can now go out on a date. I now don't have to hide in my room and just play games. Because by the way, just playing games in your room, young person, no. <laughs> Forgive me, but that was my editorial. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, so before we wrap up today, is there anything else that you recommend uh, for people's radiant skin inside well, no, no. now let me give you the short lesson okay. d3 d3k2 in balance but it has to be real d3 and real k2 in balance then on top of that you actually need vitamins minerals cofactors why because skin is part of your body and everybody needs essential vitamins you know like vitamins minerals cofactors Everybody needs what they need, and it is biochemically individual. What I need is not necessarily what you need, but I'm telling you, you can figure it out because when you feel better, you're probably going in the right direction. And when you feel worse, you're probably going in the wrong direction. And please let me clarify, if you're using cocaine to make yourself feel better, that is not the right direction. Okay, so I just wanna be clear about what I'm saying. The body will give you feedback. Your skin is an immune, uh, competent, and expressive organism. It's actually the largest part of your body. If you took your whole body apart, your skin would be the largest part of your body. Most people don't know that. Use it well, use it wisely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Oh, mutually, mutually. Yeah. This was great fun. Yeah, so um, t tell everybody where they can learn more about you, where they can find you. Oh, no, thanks for asking. There's drrusselljaffe.com. And by the way, my name is spelled R-U-S-S-E-L-L -L, and then J-A-F-F-E because my mother thought that if you doubled every letter, the child would succeed more. I have no idea why she thought that, but she told me that, and that's why I have so many double letters. Okay, but beyond that, we have healthstudiescollegium.org, we have betterlabtestnow.com, which is a portal for consumers, we have elizaact.com, which is our lab entry into functional and progressive 
immunology, so you could be tolerant to the 21st century. And then we have PERC, P-E-R-Q-U-E, PERC.com, where if you are interested in the most advanced formulas with the most evidence of superiority, efficacy, et cetera, uh, that's what we pioneered. So thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks for all your information today. I really appreciate it. Mutually. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Jaffe. To learn more about him, you can go to thespadoctor.com, go to the podcast page with his interview, and you'll find all the information and links there. And while you're there at thespadoctor.com, I invite you to join the Spa Doctor community so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows and information. And you can hop over to theskinquiz.com. Find out if you're an Amber, Olivia, Sage, Emmett, or Heath skin personality type, because that will give you great information of what your skin's trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it. Just go to theskinquiz.com. We always like to get reviews and feedback about the podcast as well. So head over to iTunes and leave a review there so we know what you like or maybe what you think we could improve upon with the Spot Doctor podcast. And I'll see you next time on the Spot Doctor podcast. Thank you.